Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. How are you today? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's finally spring. I know. I'm so happy about that. And it's warm. It actually feels like spring. You know, it's like one of those days where you put your coat on, like yesterday. I put my winter top coat on. It was cold yesterday. I hung it up when I got home. And I just kind of said, like, good night. Right. I'm not going to wear this anymore. I've done that before and left it, taken it to the dry cleaners and said good night and then said goodbye forever because I forgot to go get it and they donated it. <laughs> yeah, I have one that's been at a tailor for two years fixing oh. the lining. And I called. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way they still have it. You know what she said? Yeah. Um, I think that'll be ready in a couple of weeks. Oh. <laughs> like, wow. Like, I'm glad I didn't need that. Oh, my goodness. That's so. too funny. Well, the other thing that's super exciting about New Beginnings is we just finished up our improv training. So our listeners who might have seen, we had Justin in here as a guest, and we did a little uh, improv training with our sales force and our consultants. And um, this past week, we had to sing a musical and talk about a yeah, risk. You sang about uh, boots, didn't you? I did. So we got a genre and a topic, and I got country and boots, which was kind of a E easier than I gave you paper clips, right? You had to sing about paper clips. You know, I don't remember because, uh, you know, it was really challenging. So you think, hey, what does improv have to do with sales? What does it have to do with leadership? Ultimately, what it, what it, what it did for a lot of us is we took a gigantic risk. Yep. And it took a lot of courage to get up there and do something completely different. Right. And and being willing to take that risk in a safe environment, managing that risk, right? We didn't jump out of a plane without a parachute. We stood on a stage in front of our coworkers and told it was a safe environment to make a mistake and learn. So that's the best way to take a risk. And we right? talk about risk all the time with our with our customers. Right. We're in the risk business. And we talk about uh, the impact of uh, healthcare. And today, uh, this afternoon, we'll find out uh, vote yay or nay. What's right. the future of the Affordable Care Act, which um, addressed access originally uh, and unfortunately did not address cost, which is the big deal. Right. Which is, quite frankly, the risk of our health care system. Right. Is not not being able to pay for it. Correct. At some point. The cost of it. So we talked to a lot of customers also. So how do you fund an insurance plan? Right. The majority of, of employers uh, fully insure a plan. So I, I pay a premium. And the insurance company is on the hook for the risk. Right, and they pay the claims. Now, in the last few years, and particularly since the Affordable Care Act in 2010, we've seen more and more employers looking to self-fund or take some of that risk back in-house and manage it themselves because of some of the taxes and fees and requirements for fully insured plan sponsors. There's been a movement towards self-funding, and the insurance market has responded by taking products that historically were for larger employers, two or 300 lives, down to 10 lives, right? So the access to a self-funded platform has become more available. But do employers really understand the risk that they bring in-house when they do that? Yeah, I think unfortunately a lot of employers that have made that decision make that decision with, without enough information. So right. 
Uh, what you don't need is you don't need a salesperson person selling you on the impact uh, and uh, the aspects of, of self-funding. What you need is you need someone that can unpack the liability, understanding your, your industry. Right. Because I think a lot of employers really like the fact of self-funding for a couple of reasons. Number one is um, they're smart. Entrepreneurs understand. Right. If I have a risk, I'm going to insure it, and I can't afford it, then I should have insurance for that. But by golly, if I win, I want I those to rewards keep, right. to come you, back into the organization. I don't want them cash. to go to Wall Street. Right. And, and they love that aspect of it. Of being in control. Correct. I mean, that's really the idea here. But just, I mean, to break it down in the simplest possible fashion, if you think about your homeowner's insurance or your auto insurance, I just renewed mine. So I asked what my deductible was on my, home, on my auto insurance. And my agent said it's $500. And I was like, $500? Like, how much am I paying for that? Can I make it 1000 Can I make it two? And she was like, well, yeah, you know, but if you have an accident, you're going to have to pay that first. And I'm like, well, how much does it save in the premium? So I settled on 1000 But why I had a $500 deductible? I don't know, but I wanted to own that risk, right? Now I have to not wreck my car today, but that's the idea is how much risk can you take on? What's it worth to you as an employer? And do you understand what you're insuring? I know my driving habits. I'm going to add my kids to my insurance in a year and maybe I'm going to go to a 250 deductible. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a different set of risks. You two, might want to try that. Two teenagers. I think with, for employers, when we talk about self-funding, so I have an administrator. Someone who pays the claims. be a third-party administrator. They often heard of as a TPA, or I can do business with an insurance company and self-fund a plan, and that's normally called an ASO or administrative services only contract. Right. But what's important for our listeners to understand is in both of those, you have a layer of stop loss. Right. That's your protection. So there's specific stop loss. There's aggregate stop loss. We're going to talk about specific stop loss today because that's basically your deductible under your health plan. Which is protection under one member uh, to, help them, to help the organization assess the liability. So the two types of insurance, you've got specific deductibles and then aggregate. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. Right. And when we talk about stop loss, so Ann, you're in front of a lot of people talking about this. So when, when, when you talk about this to business owners, what, what probably, let's keep it to the rule of three, what's the most important thing for them to understand? Yeah, so the rule of three. So if I had to come up with three things that I would say to a business owner that was considering going from fully insured today to self-funding is, one, do you understand your cash flow, and do you have someone who's sophisticated in your financial arena of your business? Great really point. important. Yeah, because there's a misnomer. If I go self-funding, I'm going to save a lot of money. Yeah. Now, the odds are you're going to win over a period of time, but there are periods of time where you do lose. Right, right. You might. And so Can if, you afford if it? your cash flow is tight, it, it could be an issue. So you have to understand what's your, what's your cash flow, and you have to be willing to have that discussion with your broker, too, which, you know, sometimes those... Um, those are sensitive conversations. Secondly, do you understand the risk profile of your employees, your population, the demographics of your population? Do you know what types of claims they've had? Do you know what the propensity for claims is in the future? Do you have any clue? Because that's what you're going to be insuring now, right? So that's number two. And number three is, are you in this for the long term? Are you willing to make a decision that's going to be in place for the next three to five or seven years, because it's not a dip your toe in and back out. It's not that easy. 
So those are the those would be the there are probably fifty more things I could think of, but the top three that's what comes to mind. Yeah, well, th those are really important aspects because one, I want to go sell funding so I can save some money might not be accurate. Right. Or uh, I want to go sell funding, but I don't know the risk lens of the workforce. Mm -hmm. That's an issue. That's a problem. Yeah. And then you have to understand over the long term that you're going to win some years. Most often, there's going to be one or two years over a period of time that you're going to lose. Right. And we often use this analogy. And again, it seems like we're taking something that's that's really serious and a very large spend for employers and breaking it down into something simple or trivial. But really, it it is a good analogy. So think about owning a house or renting a house, right? If you are a renter and your hot water heater breaks, you call up the landlord and they come in, put a new one in. Your rent doesn't go up, presumably, um, and everything stays the same and it's fixed and you move on. And if the roof leaks, the same thing happens, right? If you're a homeowner, before you buy the house, you have an appraisal so you know how much it's worth. You have an inspection, so you know what is wrong with it. You might even buy a home warranty protection, so it covers you for a year. And then when your hot water heater breaks, you got to pay for it. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, you walk into it with information. Right. So when we talk about stop loss and the questions that, um, that we know to ask for our customers, we talk about stop loss. So... One of the biggest rocks I normally see is normally inside of a self-funded plan, you have a, 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 an SBD. Right. right. And so normally what Summary happens... Summary plan document. What happens normally is does that stop-loss company even, like, do they have a copy of that? Right. Is your stop-loss contract, is it bolted onto that SBD? Right. And do they understand the mechanics of both? Especially if you're in a TPA situation where a claim could be coming in, your administrator could be paying it, but they may not be paying it correctly under the stop-loss contract. So there's holes in there that could leave you open and exposed as an employer for additional risk. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I was looking at um, recently was a report that comes out about catastrophic conditions. And that's something that, as a self-funded employer, um, as any employer, but particularly self-funded, you want to understand like what's happening out there in the space of medical treatments. And one thing that popped out at me was the incidence of renal failure and kidney disease, and the other is transplants. And you think that they would go hand in hand, but really they are they are separate. And kidney disease is on the rise primarily because of diabetes, which is on the rise. And so that's making up a huge amount of claims, about 18% of stop-loss claims that are being paid, even though the incidence of it is under 2% of all claimants. But it's growing rapidly. Well, so, and then historically, uh, before the Affordable Care Act, we had a, a $1 million annual max, or maybe $2 million annual max. Right. Most plans stopped paying after that claimant amount. Correct. So it was a little easier to assess the mm -hmm. risk, and now those limits are gone. And some of those stop-loss claims today are absolutely horrific. Right. And there are, the, again, the incidence of multi-million dollar claims and claims over a million dollars is on the rise. And so as a fully insured employer, it's not that you wouldn't be aware of that or conscious of that, but as a self-funded employer, when now suddenly you're on the hook for the majority of the claims costs, you want to understand that so you can manage it, right? Over time. Right. And managing it doesn't mean, um, oh, we're not going to insure those claimants or um, you know, we're, we're going to pay less for them. It just means we're going to make sure that they're seeing the correct physicians, that there's coordination of care, that we understand how to insure it. Because 
We could buy a transplant rider. We hope we never need it. We hope your employees never need it. But let's take it out of your claims costs and put it over here in a transplant rider. A lot of self-insured clients don't even know that they can do that. Which is really interesting because I think from a from this perspective, from an employer, what would be really interesting to talk to an employer about first would be um, not how easy it is to get into self-funding, but let's begin to unpack how difficult it is to get out of self-funding. Right. So you don't just, so today in a fully insured world, if I'm in the middle of a contract year, but I, I get a different risk population, I you know, merge with a younger firm or I, you know, a new carrier comes out with a product, I can leave that contract in the middle of the year. With 30 days notice. Yeah, with really no repercussions at yep. all. I just move from one to the other. In a self-funded world, you don't stop your contract mid-year. If you terminate, all your claims are now exposed. They're all yours. There's no more protection for those claims. You have, you have gigantic problems. Right, right. You don't just exit. And at the end of the year, um, let's just say self-funding isn't working. You have to go back to fully insured. You can at the end of the contract year, but you still have all your runout claims. So that it it kind of stays with you. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so there's types of contracts you can buy. We don't have time to unpack each and every one of those. But also, you know, when you when you think about it, how do how do you renew the plan? Right. So what does next year look like? Right. And the stop loss carriers they can decide. Let's let's go back to the premise of insurance. Insurance is purchasing protection for an unknown future risk. That's what insurance is. If you know the risk, typically you can't insure it. So if I have a terminal diagnosis, I can't go buy life insurance. Just can't do it. They're not going to insure that because they know they're going to pay the claim. So at the end of the year, when you come up for renewal, if you have a known condition, let's just use that transplant as an example, they can choose not to cover that one claim. So you've got 50000 of stop loss for all your employees, except this one claimant, which is 250000 That risk now belongs to you as the employer. Can you buy a contract that would mitigate that? Yes. But you have to buy it before the claim, Correct. not once you know about it. Exactly. So it's a timing issue and a knowledge issue. So back to your point, you need, you need a technician, someone who understands this, someone who's financially savvy to help you build and craft this not a salesperson. Correct. And the other thing with stop loss too is making sure that, you know, your stop loss carrier is involved in the front end of a high claim. Right. Not just, and you and I were talking about before, it would be almost like, you know, when you have big fires, you have multiple stations and departments show up. Like a fire at your house. Exactly. Yeah. And what happens is normally the, the groups that come in before listen to the groups that were there first. Um, when you're doing business with a third-party administrator and the stop-loss comes in late, right. things change. It gets very complicated, not only for the insured or the member or the person dealing with that, but also with the employer. Right. And so making sure that you understand what types of clinical programs are available through your stop-loss carrier. Are they going to reach out to you? How do they manage an emerging claim? All of those things are details of being a self-funded employer that um, you have to be willing to talk about. It's not like being fully insured. It's a great opportunity to take control. Entrepreneurs love to take risk. That's why they're entrepreneurs. And they love to have control of their dollars and their business and a say in what they do. So we think it's a really awesome opportunity. You just have to be able to sit down and craft it in the correct way for your business. Yeah, and for the most part, um, probably seven, eight out of 10 employers 
win. And over a long period of time, you will win. Right. But you have to understand the liability. You have to make sure that your stop-loss company is engaged and connected to your plan design uh, and the structure of your plan. But most importantly to our listeners, you, you need to make sure that you don't have advice that's selling you insurance. That, that is not the purpose of this. What you need is you need a consultant that's willing to unpack all the liability right. to protect your interest in your organization and your people. Right. It's not a selling issue, right? It's a risk issue and a liability issue. And understanding that is absolutely important. Right. We've written some white papers on the elements of self-funding. Uh, we also have some terrific documentation on stop loss and the impact on prescription drugs and orphan drugs and just a lot of issues that address and face self-funded employers. Check us out on our website. Yep. If you have any comments, please email us at ann at healthierbirthdays.com. Or scott at healthierbirthdays.com. We thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on, on Side, Side Effects. Effects.